For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Yeshua, from Genesis to Revelation. This is part five of the series. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came out by grace through faith in putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And after they were saved by grace through faith, then they came to Mount Sinai and they were given commandments on how to live their lives as a redeemed people. We're going to look at that in this session. In addition to looking at what is the difference between between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. That is a couple things which we're going to be examining in this session. To begin with, let's look at Exodus in chapter 3 in verse 21. It tells us that the grace of the God of Israel was upon his people to bring them out of Egypt, as it is written. And I will give this people favor or grace in the sight of the Egyptians, and it will come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. Even though the grace of the God of Israel was present to redeem his people out of Egypt, did all the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost? Of course we know that the answer is no, because even though the grace of the God of Israel was present to redeem his people, it required something in addition to grace, and that is faith. What was the faith that the God of Israel required to come out of Egypt? It was putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. In Exodus, in chapter 12, in verse 3, it is written, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Verse 7, And they shall take of the blood of the lamb, and strike it on the two side posts, and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat. Why was this an act of faith? Well, first of all, faith is believing and doing what the God of Israel has instructed to do. And through Moses, he instructed that to escape the plague of the death of the firstborn, which was the 10th plague, it required putting 
the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Secondly, in Egyptian culture and society, that lambs or sheep were regarded as Egyptian gods. So it would have been politically incorrect in Egyptian culture and society to kill what your neighbor may regard as one of their gods. So you better be sure when you killed that lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost that you were hearing from the God of Israel. And that's exactly what he wanted you to do. What we can see then is the way in which the children of Israel came out of Egypt. It was by grace through faith. So therefore, being delivered or redeemed by grace through faith is a Torah concept that the New Testament affirms is so. So when we look at Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 8, where it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, it not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That is not a brand new New Testament concept. That is something that the New Testament affirms as being true, which was established first in the Torah. I want you to notice the picture that we have here. First, the children of Israel were saved by grace through faith. And it was a people saved by grace through faith who came to Mount Sinai and were given commandments on how they were to live their lives as a redeemed people. Now we look at Romans in chapter 3 and Paul establishes in verse 30, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision by faith, that all are saved by grace through faith. Then Paul asks this question in Romans chapter 3 and verse 31. Do we make void or do away with the Torah through faith or because we're saved by grace through faith? In the mindset of most in traditional Christianity, somehow they got the thought or the perspective that it was Paul who taught that in believing that Yeshua is the Messiah, that a non-Jew does not need to express his faith in Yeshua as the Messiah by following the Torah. But the irony of that is that Paul asked the question here in Romans chapter 3 verse 31, do we make void or do away with the Torah through faith? And here is his answer, God forbid, no we do not, we establish the Torah. Paul went on to say in Romans in chapter 7 and verse 22, for I delight in the Torah of God after the inward man. What is the inward man that he is speaking of? It is the one who has received the new covenant in Yeshua and has the indwelling Holy Spirit. He delights in the Torah of God after the inward man because the inward man through the help and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has the Torah written upon his heart. And if the Torah is written upon your heart, you will want to follow the Torah. Well, did the God of Israel, when he brought his people to Mount Sinai and gave them commandments on how they were to live their lives as a redeemed people, did Yahweh Yeshua then tell Moses, Moses, 
I want you to set on one side all the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because I have quite a few commandments to give them and it's going to take a little bit of time. And then did he say, well, then separate on the other side the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because I'm going to make it a lot easier for them. I'm only got to give them two commandments, that you're supposed to love me and love everyone else. Is that what he did? Of course, you know, that is not what happened. In Numbers, in chapter 15 and verse 15, it is written, one ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation, that is the native born, and also for the stranger that sojourns with you. An ordinance forever. As you are, so shall the stranger be before you. One Torah in one manner shall be for you and also for the stranger that sojourns with you. Everyone who is a part of the house of Jacob is given the same Torah from the lawgiver, Yahweh Yeshua. In the commentary on the Torah by Moses Nachmanides or the Rambam, on page 376, he explains the following. Moses commanded us a law, and this will be an inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. Our rabbis interpreted that he did not say an inheritance of the house of Jacob or the seed of Jacob. They stated the congregation of Jacob in order to suggest that many strangers or sojourners would join them, that is the native-born descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Torah will always be an inheritance of Jacob and all who congregate to him, these being the strangers that join themselves to the Lord. Therefore, we have seen in this part of our study that the children of Israel were redeemed out of Egypt by grace through faith and they were given the Torah and this was instruction on how they were to live their lives as a saved or a redeemed people and the same Torah was given to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as well as the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who were strangers, sojourners, and they were grafted into the covenant that was made with the house of Jacob. Next, we're going to see as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, realizing that the name of his family is the house of Jacob, that we are instructed to see ourselves as if we were saved or redeemed or delivered out of Egypt. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, in verses 1 through 4, it is written, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant. Paul here is writing to primarily a non-Jewish audience, and in order to catch their attention on what he is going to be explaining to them, he prefaces his statement by saying, don't be ignorant how that all are fathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea and that they were all baptized or immersed under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual drink. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. 
for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Messiah. I want you to notice here that Paul uses the word all five times, how that all our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed the sea. They were all immersed in the Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. In the Torah or in the Bible itself, if the God of Israel wants to make an important point, he emphasizes it by repeating the point where here the word all is not just repeated. It is repeated five times to amplify that this happened to all of our fathers. But wait a second. Do you realize that my father and grandfather did not literally come out of Egypt? And your father and grandfather did not literally come out of Egypt? And Paul's father and grandfather didn't literally come out of Egypt? Well, if our father and grandfather did not literally come out of Egypt, why is Paul writing and saying primarily to non Jewish believers in Yeshua as Messiah to not be ignorant that all of our fathers did come out of Egypt. Well, Paul here is communicating to us a Torah concept or a Torah principle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4, Paul is actually teaching from the Torah itself. And he's making a reference to Deuteronomy in chapter 29 and verses 12 through 15. In looking at these verses, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 12 that you should enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you this day. That is speaking about the event of Mount Sinai, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, that he may be unto you a God as he has sworn unto you and as he has sworn unto your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 14, neither will with you only do I make this covenant and this oath. But the covenant and the oath, which is being made at Mount Sinai, is being made, verse 15, with him that stands here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. I want you to notice that the covenant at Mount Sinai is being made with two groups of people. It's being made with those who are there and also with those who are not there, which means means even though you are not there, you are regarded as if you were there. That is, if you are in covenant relationship with the one who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. So if you have accepted Yeshua as your Lord and your Savior, because he is the one that made covenant with Abraham and the children of Israel came out of Egypt on behalf of the covenant promise that was made with Abraham, then the God of Israel sees as if he brought you out of Egypt. In Exodus in chapter 13 in verse 8 regarding the celebration of Passover and in celebrating Passover which is the celebration of the coming out of Egypt that one of the 613 commandments is to instruct your son from Exodus chapter 13 verse 8 and tell him that that event 
event happened to him on a personal level and on a personal basis, as it is written. And you shall show your son in that day. Well, what period of time is in that day? In that day is in the future. You shall tell your son in that day or in the future. In that day also refers to the Messianic era because the celebration of Passover will be done in Messianic times. In Ezekiel, beginning in chapter 40, we have a description of the temple of the Messianic era. And it says in Ezekiel in chapter 45, verse 21, during the Messianic era, that in the first month, in the 14th day of the month, you shall have the Passover. A feast of seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. So we are going to be celebrating Passover in Messianic times. And that is why you are to tell your son, even in that day in Messianic times, the following, that this is being done, that is the celebration of Passover, because of that which the Lord did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. But wait a second, do you realize that the son in that day or in future generations or even during the Messianic era did not literally come out of Egypt? Then why is it commanded that he did? Is because he is to see himself as a part of a covenant people, a part of the community of Israel, and the community of Israel is to be seen as one people. Then Exodus chapter 13 verse 9 is a commandment to always have in your mind, in your remembrance that you came out of Egypt. Not just to remember this at Passover time, but you are to remember it on a daily basis as it is written. And it shall be a sign unto you upon your hand and for a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's Torah may be in your mouth for with a strong hand has the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Well, after bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, bringing them to Mount Sinai, the covenant was broken. There in the wilderness, it was broken by the building of the golden calf. But even as Israel continued in that generation, they were disobedient. And even when they got sent into exile into the nations of the world, they went after other gods and were disobedient. So the Torah that was given at Mount Sinai was broken. The principle of what the God of Israel intended when he brought his people out of Egypt is found in Deuteronomy in chapter 6 and verses 22 and 23, as it is written, And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before his eyes. And he brought us out from there, that is Egypt, that he might bring us in, that would be the promised land, to give us the land which he swear unto his fathers. Well, he didn't intend just to generically bring them into the promised land. There was a specific place 
place in the promised land, which was the destination of the journey out of Egypt. And that place is Jerusalem. Jerusalem, when David united all 12 tribes, was called Zion or Mount Zion. So the purpose of coming out of Egypt is to go to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem in Hebrew means the Lord sees peace. Egypt means to be constrained, to be in bondage, to have constraints. But Jerusalem is the opposite. Jerusalem is shalom. Jerusalem is peace. When you arrive to Jerusalem spiritually, the heavenly Jerusalem. And what is that peace that we are to have when we come to Jerusalem? It's the peace of knowing the Messiah. It is having the Torah written upon our heart. It is dying to the self and having the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding in directing our lives in service to the one that brought us out of Egypt, even Yeshua the Messiah. That Mount Zion is your sins being forgiven, being brought to the new covenant. So this is our journey in coming out of Egypt. It's to go to Jerusalem and Mount Zion. So we come to Mount Zion on an individual, personal basis when we accept Yeshua as our Messiah and receive the forgiveness of our sins by repenting of our sins and we enter into a new covenant relationship with Yeshua. This new covenant is Torah-based and the new covenant brings us spiritually or enables us to spiritually to go to Jerusalem or Mount Zion. In Hebrews, in chapter 10 and verse 16, it says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my Torah in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. So Mount Zion is heart surgery that the God of Israel performs upon us because of the stony heart that we had in breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai. So he performs heart surgery upon us. He gives us a new heart. He puts his spirit within us that enables us to go to to Mount Zion and have the Torah written upon our heart. What is the difference then between the original covenant, the one given at Mount Sinai, and the renewed covenant? Let's look at Ezekiel in chapter 36 in verse 26, where it says, A new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I want you to notice what he's doing. He's removing the stony heart and he's replacing it with the heart of flesh. The removing of the stony heart and giving you a heart of flesh is giving us heart surgery. So Mount Sinai is associated with the Torah being received upon stony hearts. This was prophetically foreshadowed in the fact that the Torah itself was written on tablets of stone, the tablets making a reference to the hearts of the people who would receive the Torah. Mount Zion, or the New Covenant, is the Torah written upon a heart of flesh. And the heart of flesh is a soft heart that we're given instruction will strive 
is to be obedient to the instruction that they're being given through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And where they have departed, they have the heart to want to repent and to restore the relationship with the one who they sinned against. What is a stony heart? We can see the definition of a stony heart from Zechariah in chapter 7 in verses 11 and 12. It is written, but they refused to hearken and they pulled the shoulder. They stopped their ears that they should not hear. They made their heart as an adamant stone. Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject Yeshua from Genesis to Revelation. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.